Welcome to Take This Poem Podcast, where we explore the rich, wild things that good poems can do in the everyday lives of ordinary folks. I'm your host, Mary Guidis. Whether you're a longtime poetry lover like I am, or just barely interested, I invite you to take this poem. I hope it amends the soil of your life. Hello, thanks for being here. If you are in a hurry, this might not be the best time to listen to this. Do you trust me enough to let me read you a 10 minute poem? And I can tell you 10 minutes of listening to a poem feel like 30 minutes of regular lifetime. (laughs) This is not short. It'll take a while. You'll have to live in it. You'll be older when you're done listening to this than you were when it began, which is actually one of the things I've recently come to appreciate about contemplative art. My children think the synonym for a contemplative film is a boring, slow, long film. But it's that long part that's interesting me. What can we gain from something long that we wouldn't from something short. Now this is coming from someone, I am biased in favor of short poetry. I like my poems to fit on one page. I don't wanna have to turn a page. And so it's new for me to be able to appreciate the way that length builds in time and to appreciate that time to contemplate. So yes, contemplative art gives you something to contemplate, but it also gives you the time to do it, like a built-in gift. Increasingly a gift, as things seem to be going so quickly. Even watching a film, instead of being lazy these days, it feels like an act of great self-discipline to sit down for three hours and watch an excellent film. So this is just 10 minutes. The poem is called October. Louise Glick. At the end of an interview, the president of Yale interviews her. She taught there for decades as a beloved poetry professor. At the end of that interview is a recording of her reading this poem herself, and I highly recommend it. I've been listening to it as I work out, as I drive, as I lie in my bed with the blankets over my head, as though it's a symphony, a long musical piece that I want to hear again and again, like a child bringing a picture book back to daddy and saying again, again, because there's something in there that's exactly what I want to think about again. Something I need, some itch that's being scratched by this particular poem. And I'm probably not the only one. It's a wonderful winter poem. It has six parts. I don't know if I said that already because this is my 10th time trying to record and I've discarded all the other copies and I can no longer remember what I've said and what I haven't said. I was going to just try to read the first part and the last part, but anyway, nothing I've tried has felt right except just giving the whole thing a go. I wish you were here to talk about the poem with me. I don't think I can read it and talk about it and read it again. That would just be too much. But I'll read it 
after I say a few words, a few more words. And then if you want to hear it again, I hope you'll listen to her own voice reading it. I'll link to that. She reads it pretty quickly, and I'm going to copy that, partly because I think that matches the content well. This poem has a whirling feeling of simultaneity and almost a time-lapse video impression. You think of a time-lapse video of a flower opening. This poem spins through cycles of seasons, of dark and light, warmth and cool, wounding and healing, hope and hopelessness, harvest planting and harvesting around and around in a way that's rather disorienting and I think does capture that sense of the season changing. Didn't we just go through this and the liminal space between one season and the next where you're in two seasons at once and it gives you that disorientation, delightful disorientation. That's just wrapped up here so beautifully. She writes a lot about changes imperceptible changes from one thing to the next. She has a few poems that start in the day and by the end, oh, night has fallen before we've noticed or winter has come. Like it always does. Mm, I'm really, really digging that this winter. So, I'll read quickly. If you hear T.S. Eliot here, if you know Eliot and you're hear, hearing echoes of his quartets, I think you're right on. She respected his work greatly. I believe there are some outright shout outs to his quartets buried in here. But even if you haven't read Eliot, I think you'll be able to find at least a, a few killer lines to be stabbed by at some point in this poem. If something bothers you, like it does me, all the better. That might be partly why I keep coming back, or the dissonances. So, take a deep breath. Enjoy October by Louise Gluck. One, is it winter again? Is it cold again? Didn't Frank just slip on the ice? Didn't he heal? Weren't the spring seeds planted? Didn't the night end? Didn't the melting ice flood the narrow gutters? Wasn't my body rescued? Wasn't it safe? Didn't the scar form invisible above the injury? Terror and cold, didn't they just end? Wasn't the back garden harrowed and planted? I remember how the earth felt, red and dense, in stiff rows, Weren't the seeds planted? Didn't vines climb the south wall? I can't hear your voice for the wind's cries whistling over the bare ground. I no longer care what sound it makes. When I was silenced, when did it first seem pointless to describe the sound? What it sounds like can't change what it is. Didn't the night end? Wasn't the earth safe when it was planted? Didn't we plant the seeds? Weren't we necessary to the earth? The vines, were they harvested? Two. Summer after summer has ended, balm after violence. It does me no good to be good to me now. Violence has changed me. Daybreak, the low hills shine, 
ochre and fire, even the fields shine. I know what I see, sun that could be the August sun, returning everything that was taken away. You hear this voice? This is my mind's voice. You can't touch my body now. It has changed once. It has hardened. Don't ask it to respond again. A day like a day in summer, exceptionally still. The long shadows of the maples nearly mauve on the gravel paths. And in the evening, warmth. Night, like a night in summer. It does me no good. Violence has changed me. My body has grown cold like the stripped fields. Now there is only my mind, cautious and wary, with the sense it is being tested. Once more, the sun rises as it rose in summer. Bounty, balm after violence, balm after the leaves have changed, after the fields have been harvested and turned. Tell me this is the future. I won't believe you. Tell me I'm living. I won't believe you. Three. Snow had fallen. I remember music from an open window. Come to me, said the world. This is not to say it spoke in exact sentences, but that I perceive beauty in this manner. Sunrise, a film of moisture on each living thing. Pools of cold light formed in the gutters. I stood at the doorway, ridiculous as it now seems. What others found in art, I found in nature. What others found in human love, I found in nature. Very simple. But there was no voice there. Winter was over. In the thawed dirt, bits of green were showing. Come to me, said the world. I was standing in my wool coat at a kind of bright portal. I can finally say, long ago, it gives me considerable pleasure. Beauty, the healer, the teacher. Death cannot harm me more than you have harmed me, my beloved life. 4. The light has changed. Middle C is tuned darker now, and the songs of morning sound over-rehearsed. This is the light of autumn, not the light of spring. The light of autumn, you will not be spared. The songs have changed. The unspeakable has entered them. This is the light of autumn, not the light that says, I am reborn, not the spring dawn. I strained, I suffered, I was delivered. This is the present, an allegory of waste. So much has changed, and still, you are fortunate. The ideal burns in you like a fever. Or not like a fever, like a second heart. The songs have changed, but really they are still quite beautiful. They have been concentrated in a smaller space, the space of the mind. They are dark now, with desolation and anguish, and yet the notes recur. They hover oddly in anticipation of silence. The ear gets used to them. The eye gets used to disappearances. You will not be spared, nor will what you love be spared. A wind has come and gone, taking apart the mind. It has left in its wake a strange lucidity. How privileged you are to be passionately clinging to what you love. The forfeit of hope has not destroyed you. Maestoso doloroso. This is the light of autumn. It has turned on us. Surely it is a privilege to approach the end, still believing in something. Five. It is true. 
there is not enough beauty in the world. It is also true that I am not competent to restore it. Neither is there candor, and here I may be of some use. I am at work, though I am silent. The bland misery of the world bounds us on either side, an alley lined with trees. We are companions here, not speaking, each with his own thoughts. Behind the trees, iron gates of the private houses, the shuttered rooms, somehow deserted, abandoned, as though it were the artist's duty to create hope. But out of what? What? The word itself false, a device to refute perception. At the intersection, ornamental lights of the season. I was young here, riding the subway with my small book, as though to defend myself against the same world. You are not alone, the poem said, in the dark tunnel. Six. The brightness of the day becomes the brightness of the night. The fire becomes the mirror. My friend, the earth is bitter. I think sunlight has failed her. Bitter or weary, it is hard to say. Between herself and the sun, something has ended. She wants now to be left alone. I think we must give up turning to her for affirmation. Above the fields, above the roofs of the village houses, the brilliance that made all life possible becomes the cold stars. Lie still and watch. They give nothing, but ask nothing. From within the earth's bitter disgrace, coldness and barrenness, my friend the moon rises. She is beautiful tonight, but when is she not beautiful? Part of my vision for this podcast was to have it be interactive. I pictured a virtual bonfire poetry reading where friends, family, local poets, and you can come together to warm our hands on some poetry. If there's a poem that has done some action in your everyday life, surprised you, delighted you, or maybe just more quietly worked its way into your bones, you know I would love to hear about it. Email me at takethispoempodcast at gmail.com and let me know your story. Maybe you can join me in sharing it with others as well.